Thank you, worship team, for leading us to that place this morning. I almost forgot I had to preach. We were getting into it there. It was good. It was good. First um, Peter chapter 2, verse 9, our theme verse uh, for this year. Uh, God has laid on our hearts. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We are the people of God, called by him, saved by him, forgiven by him, transformed by him to enjoy him and reveal him to the world around us, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, called out of darkness into His wonderful light to bring that light to the world, a world that needs light. God is good, and He's here, speaking and moving among us, inviting us to see, to, to wake up, to be aware ready, hungry to serve and love and give, to sacrifice and lay down our own lives for Him and for the people that He loves so much He died for them. People who are lost and broken and hurting, living in darkness, the same darkness we lived in until He found us. Our theme this year is sacred And we're following God on this journey as he tries to help us understand what it means to be called out, to be different. To be in a world that is filled with darkness and fear, a beacon of hope and light. To be a spiritual presence in our community, in the lives of the people. To bring the presence of God into the lives of people who need hope. Healing, forgiveness, freedom. Bringing the presence that created the universe into brokenness. And helping people to see the way Jesus is present all around them. And that He is inviting them into new life with Him just as He has with us. I had the opportunity this week to go and, and visit someone in the hospital in Edmonton and just to spend some time talking and, and praying with them. And as I was, I was at the hospital, I was reminded again of this journey, this sacred theme, this sacred presence that God is leading us on as a church family. And I think the church as a whole around the world, God is doing something, finding our place in a world that is radically changing looking at the the position and and mission of the church in a world that is increasingly uncomfortable with our presence there. How are we being invited to be involved, to work, to move? What is God calling us to do? And the call He's giving us is this call to that sacred presence, that spiritual presence, a light in the darkness, a port in the storm, a rock, Surrounded by crashing waves, a place of hope and peace and calm amid chaos and fear and selfishness. 
As I was entering the hospital, I hadn't gotten the room number for this individual, so I had to go to information and uh, gave them the name, and they gave me a room number. It made no sense to me. They waved me on, and I said, how do I get there? Unit 64, room 7. I don't know what any of that means. I, it's a maze in here. I've been, hospitals are confusing. It is hard to find your way around. So she gave me some directions, turn here, go there, and I made my way down these twisting, kind of dark hallways filled with busy staff rushing past me, fluorescent lighting and everything looks the same. And on my way to the unit that this individual was in, in the middle of this enormous and confusing hospital, walking down hallway after hallway that looked exactly the same, squeezing by another rushing doctor, an EMT team, looking at the little name and number plates on doors, maintenance, room this and that, I suddenly noticed one that said chapel. It looked like all the others. And amid the smells and sounds and busyness of the hospital, I just happened to see this little sign staff rushing by, feeling closed in, no windows down there, buried within this building somewhere, who knows where. And I had a, arrived a little bit early. I had a few moments before I was supposed to meet this individual. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll just sit in here for a minute. And I opened the door to another world, a sacred space. It was beautifully appointed. It had the altar at the front, a very Catholic setting and welcoming and inviting and sacred. It immediately felt different, quiet, calm, peaceful. When the door closed, it was an oasis of the presence of God in the middle of such busyness and stress. It was just such a powerful example of exactly what we're talking about here, the kind of space God is inviting us to create in our own lives for others. Physically, relationally, emotionally, personally, individually, and together. In a world filled with darkness and fear and selfishness and suffering, that we would be a sacred place, that we would be a spiritual presence, a place that people find rest, find hope, find Jesus. Wherever they are on that journey too. While I was in there, a Muslim woman came in to pray. And I thought it was just this beautiful moment that we shared together. She was looking for something too. Is it the same thing? Well, that's something that different religions get very upset about all over the place. But for a moment, we both found that sacred place. We were both trying to connect with something, someone bigger, whether we were doing the same thing or not. And I prayed for her that whatever she was looking for, that Jesus would speak to her. That she would encounter and experience Him and that He would bring her comfort. And she left and I don't know what God is doing in her life. But she needs Jesus too, just like I do. And in that space, whether she even knew it or not, we were both pursuing, reaching out to Him because He is it. He is the only thing. There is nothing else. He is the way and the truth and the life. And while we 
people may be seeing God, no one comes to the Father except through Him. There's a powerful moment in that little chapter, the chapel, the, the, the presence of God was there. And I was able to then take that presence with me to share with this person I was meeting too. And that's what we do here too. This is the same thing. Walking intimately with God and inviting others to journey with us, seeking Him here, now, in this space together, studying His Word, praying together, worshiping together, enjoying fellowship together so that we can invite others on this journey with us and experience who He is to a sacred space, a spiritual presence, bringing the presence of Jesus into the lives of others. been a powerful journey for me, hugely humbling and, and challenging because there are so many times and places, far too many times and places where I am absolutely not bringing the presence of Jesus into the life of someone. I am bringing tension and frustration and selfishness, not peace and hope and life. Sharpening us, waking us up, helping us to see who we are and what we're really supposed to be doing, how we're really supposed to be living, what this is really supposed to look like to be a spiritual presence. And to help us focus, God has been leading us through the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The tools and practical ways we live this mission out. It's not some big, nebulous, unknowable, unfathomable mission. Some ethereal, mysterious, spiritual feeling floating around in our lives, being spiritual at people. God's mission is deeply raw and serious and practical. And the fruit of the Spirit are practical ways to live out this profound mission that God has given us. To bring the love of God into someone's life. To bring joy to people feeling hopeless. To bring peace to someone feeling lost and overwhelmed. And last week we looked at one of the hardest ones, patience, to be patient and offer grace and forgiveness when someone needs it because we need it too. Huge ideas, important things, transforming things. And this week, we come to a fun one, after a really hard, serious one last week. One that I'm really excited about is one that's so Simple, it's so easy, and yet it's so powerful. It's the practice and the fruit of kindness. Turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to look at a short passage story of Jesus and a man with leprosy. Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 1. We've just finished, Jesus has just finished the Sermon on the Mount He's talked about some very huge and important ideas, laying out what the kingdom looks like. And now he encounters this man on his way down from teaching. 
It says this, Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. There's a huge crowd of people here. Pay attention to that. They're all watching. They had just listened to this sermon on the mountainside, heard things they've never heard before. This huge crowd is following him down the mountainside now. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy and Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Jesus is amazing, he's my favorite. Don't tell anybody, he does everything wrong, it's all backwards. He's so incredible. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched him. We could have looked at a hundred different stories from the life of Jesus about the kindness that he showed. Zacchaeus, this man that everyone hated, Jesus calls him out gently, has a meal with him. The woman who touches his cloak, cast out, He allows her in. Let the little children come to me. These children were a burden, an imposition. He invites them in. Jesus had whole crowds of people following him, yelling and crying out and pushing and shoving. And he was on a mission. He was busy, moving, purposeful. And he would stop the whole circus to speak to one person in kindness. But here in this story, we see it on full display. Leprosy in that day was an extremely dangerous and feared disease. Nowadays, fortunately, we can treat it very easily. But at that time, it was a death sentence and it caused you to be a complete outcast. No one would go near you. People were scared of you and repelled by you. The wounds and literal rotting flesh would smell terrible. And people were driven away from everyone. Outside of the town, outside of community, outside of relationship. It was a horrible and debilitating and completely dehumanizing disease. You were unclean, unable to participate in worship, to be in contact with anyone. And Jesus steps into this, man and re- uh, into this man's life and reaches out and touches him with everyone standing there watching it happen. How long had it been since this man had had any physical contact? Months? Years? Decades? With no one touching you. No hugs. No handshakes. No pats on the back, a comforting hand on the shoulder. People recoiling at the sight of you. Drawing their cloak around themselves and hurrying by, rushing away. Cut off, cast out. And as much as it hurt, he would have even understood. They were protecting themselves. This was an infectious disease. The loneliness, the isolation, the shame, the sorrow, the suffering 
And with one action, the overwhelming power of kindness crashes over this man as Jesus reaches out and touches him. Kindness is a powerful thing. It is a part of the very heart and being of God himself. In 1 John chapter 4, we've talked about this already. God is love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, it says love is patient and love is kind. God in his very nature and being is kind. And we are called to bear his image in the world in kindness. Ephesians chapter 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Micah 6, 8, he has shown you, O man, what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, mercy as it is sometimes translated, and to walk humbly with your God. Colossians chapter 3, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive each other if any of you have a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Over and over through Scripture, we have stories and passages of God showing His kindness to His people, His grace and mercy and compassion. In the Garden of Eden, at the very, very beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned, they hid from God, lied to Him, made excuses, destroyed trust and relationship, revealed their nakedness and found shame and guilt and destroyed everything that God had given them and designed for them. And what does God do for them? The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and clothed them. Even as he was casting them out of the garden, as they received the consequences of their sin and selfishness, God showed kindness. Because God is kind. All too easily in our culture, kindness can be seen as softness or even weakness. To be kind is to be gentle and to be gentle is to be weak and our culture values strength. Rewards aggressiveness and selfishness. Second place is the first loser. You've got to take what's yours. Survival of the fittest. Climb that ladder no matter who you have to climb over. And We race along in our busy lives trying to keep it all together and keep building our little kingdom. And kindness is so often a detour, an interruption. It's putting someone else first and stepping out of our schedule to touch their life. But that's the gospel. Jesus reaching out and touching our lives in all the ways we don't deserve and could never be worthy of. And it's the heart that he calls us to emulate, to mirror, to share a heart filled with kindness that pours out to others. There's a song called My Story. 
written by a band called Big Daddy Weave. I'm not allowed to make fun of that. Check it out after the service. It's an amazing song. You may well have heard it before. It's quite popular. It's on the radio and different things. But ever since I heard it the first time a number of months, maybe a year ago, I'm old, I'm behind the times, I don't know. Ever since I heard it that first time, there's one line that just stuck out to me and I just can't shake it. That struck me as something I just don't think about. Tells the story of how our testimony is all Jesus. Everything is Jesus. He sings, if I told you my... I'm not going to sing it now. You can listen to it later. I thought about it. Okay, this part of the sermon, I thought about a bunch of different ways. Should I sing it? Should we play it? And everybody kind of sits here awkwardly for five minutes while we listen to this song. Listen to it after. It's really good. I'm just going to read the lyrics now. I think we'll be okay. But he says, if I told you my story... You would hear hope that wouldn't let go. If I told you my story, you would hear love that never gave up. And if I told you my story, you would hear life, but it wasn't mine. If I should speak, then let it be of the grace that is greater than all my sin. Of when justice was served and where mercy wins. Of the kindness of Jesus that draws me in. Oh, to tell you my story is to tell of him. And he goes on to sing about all the ways that Jesus is his whole story. Every part of our life, every good thing we have and are and can share is Jesus. But that one line in the chorus of the kindness of Jesus that draws me in has just stuck with me. It's a word that we don't really use about Jesus really ever. Not that we wouldn't think that Jesus is kind, but we talk about the love of Jesus or the power of Jesus or the grace of Jesus or the forgiveness of Jesus. All good, all true, all amazing. But the kindness of Jesus just hits different. It paints this powerful, gentle, loving picture. To speak of the kindness of Jesus feels warm and inviting. Drawing us in. Inviting us to be with Him. Welcoming us. Knowing we're wanted. That's the power of kindness, truly seeing a person as God sees them, created in his image with infinite, eternal value, precious and loved, and then offering them all the kindness that God feels toward them. Jesus saw that in the man with leprosy. He saw how our broken world had brought such suffering into his life. He saw the image that he had placed there, that Jesus put there, the image of his father planted in this man's heart. He saw his own precious child created in the deepest love and joy, here suffering and cut off, literally rotting away. And he reached out and touched him. He offered kindness. 
He didn't have to touch him. In the very next verse in Matthew 8, we have a story right after this where Jesus heals someone from a great distance without ever seeing this person. He can do anything. He can heal in many different ways with a word, with a gesture. And here he chooses to touch this man when no one else would dare and when everyone else could see. kindness of God changes lives and it brings a healing to the soul far deeper than just the flesh. God is love and love is patient and love is kind. And in kindness, we extend the very presence of God into the deepest part of a person's life, especially when they don't deserve it because we don't deserve it either. Every week we've been asking this question, who in your life is God calling you to share his presence with them? Is there a name, a specific person? It's supposed to be everyone, one step at a time. Who in your life is God calling you to be a spiritual presence, to bring the presence of Jesus into their life? Who are you supposed to bring his love to? Who are you supposed to share joy with? Who are you supposed to bring peace to? Who needed patience this week. And now this coming week, allow God to give you that specific person. But see what it looks like to live kindness everywhere. Where is God inviting you to be kind, to bring his presence into the world in kindness? What would that look like at work, at school, at the grocery store? in your home, with your neighbor. Kindness is one of the most powerful tools we have, and it's so simple, and it will change someone's whole life. Let's bring the kindness of Jesus that drew us in to someone else. Let's pray together this week. Father God, we thank you for the kindness of Jesus. We thank you for the warmth and the invitation that his kindness is. That you see us, that you know us, that you want us. We are wanted. We are welcome. And in that kindness, Jesus showed us how radical that can be. He touched this man's life that no one else would. Father God, we are surrounded by people that experience nothing but hardness and cruelness, selfishness, isolation and loneliness. And Father, you are inviting us to be kind, to bring the kindness of Jesus into their life. Father, forgive us when we fail to see, when we retreat into selfishness and protect ourselves and hide Because we've experienced that hardness and unkindness too. Father, help us to trust in your kindness and your love that you are enough and that we can share because there is more than enough. God, I pray even now that you would put someone on our heart and our mind that needs that kindness, a person that only we can do that. This is the beautiful part of being a church family. We know and connect with different people. We pray that you would allow us to be kind. 
God, fill us with your spirit and give us that confidence and that boldness to be kind. In Jesus' name, amen.